Last week, we were joined by Dan Stewart, and wasn't that awesome to hear Dan? It was great to have, yeah. You know, Dan uh, brings an insight to the Word that, that I love, and you know, it's, it's just fun how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm going to be speaking, John will give me plenty of notice, and I'll start praying and asking the Lord what, what He wants to put on my heart to, to share and, um, and I really felt like the Lord told me uh, this time to speak about faith. And if you remember from last week, what did Dan talk about? He talked about being all in and all in with our faith. And, uh, and I just thought it was awesome to, to see how the Holy Spirit orchestrates. And, and I believe that, that, the, that God is moving us. You know, we're, we're here in the building now. The dust has kind of settled and it's time to kind of roll up our sleeves and take some bold steps for the kingdom of God. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit is really challenging us together to begin making those steps and to step out in boldness. And so we're going to explore that a little bit more together uh, this morning about this concept of faith. Now, Now, faith does not come easily in fact, you know, even though uh, those of us who would call our, ourselves Christ followers or, or Christians, we, uh, we, faith doesn't come easy. Sometimes, um, sometimes we have to be forced into faith. Have you ever been forced into faith? It's in those crisis moments that happen, right? That that's when we really like lean in. Okay, Lord, now I really need you. Now I've really got to take that step to just believe in you. And so whether it's uh, losing a job or, or, you know, whatever those crisis moments are in our lives, sometimes we have to be forced into that. But what if we lived our lives every day with that kind of dependence on God? What if every moment of our lives, we didn't, I don't want to live in crisis every moment of my life, but to harness that kind of faith and that kind of dependence, that reliance that we have on Christ when we really need him. When our back's against the wall, when we can't rely on our own strength or our own talents, our own skills, we have to say, Lord, this is all you. You have to take this one. Say, I believe if we lived consistently with that kind of dependence on God, he would use us to do amazing things. Something would break free and break loose in us and God would do big things. All right, I'm going to start off this morning giving you the big idea, okay? This is the aha moment right here. If you get nothing else, here's what you need to take home, all right? Here we go. Faith releases and refocuses us to take bold steps to follow Christ. Now, we're all, we're, we're all trying to be disciples who follow after Christ. It is faith in Him that refocuses and releases us to be able to do that. But there's another side to that. Many of us are paralyzed by fears that cause us to play it safe and never get traction to move us forward. Now, there's a few things that come and undercut our faith. And one of those was what Dan talked about last week. He talked a lot about pride, right? He talked about how pride can enter in and, and, and undercut that. But another huge one is fear. And we all have types, different types of fears, don't we? We all have uh, fears, and some of them are kind of petty, and some of them go really deep into who we are. In fact, I, um, 
I went on and I found a list of the 10 most common fears, okay? So count, count up how many of these you can identify with. So here you go, 10 most common fears. Number one was fear of flying, fear of public speaking, fear of heights, fear of the dark, fear of intimacy, fear of death, fear of failure, that's a big one, right? Fear of rejection, spiders, and fear of commitment. Can you identify with any of those? I, I had my own list. Of, I put a few like um, honorable mentions in. I, uh, future, fear of the future, crowds, dentists. Come on. Who's not afraid of the dentist here? Uh, needles and clowns. How about clowns? Can I have a show of hands for clowns? It's just, I'm sorry, there's something creepy about clowns. If you put on that much makeup, I'm sorry, you're, you're hiding something. You know, and some of these are silly, but some of them are very real. Some of these are very real things that hold you back from gaining traction in your life, from putting your faith in Christ and truly being all in. The result of these fears, the result of these things that sometimes are, are hidden under the surface even, the result is that they can take power over us. They literally become idols in our life, sometimes with us not even realizing it. It becomes the center stage. It becomes the power by which we use, we use that lens to make decisions, to, to live our lives, to find our value. All kinds of things are filtered through these fears that are underneath the surface in our lives. And it restrains us, it paralyzes us, and it holds us back from who God wants us to be. Proverbs 12, 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. An anxious heart, a heart that fears, a heart that is worried, it weighs on you. Fear is literally exalting ourselves or our situation above God's power. It's saying God doesn't have the power to redeem or to answer this situation. And so that continues to hold us captive as a fear. Faith, on the other hand, faith is what propels you forward. It's what propels you to, do, to, to take action when it doesn't make sense to do that. It's what stretches you beyond yourself and into what God has for you. Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with, listen to this, with freedom and with confidence. It's in him and in faith in him that we get to approach God with freedom, freed from our our failure, freed from our past sin, freed from who we used to be, that we can approach God with confidence and allow him to work in us and to lead us where he wants us to go. Now, there's a difference between faith and trust. Trust is really knowing that I'm safe. Faith is taking the step, even though I know I might not be safe. But you can't, you can't ever get to that step of faith if you don't trust. And so those kind of go hand in hand because it's, that, it's the safety knowing that I can go step out in faith knowing that God is going to keep me safe. God is trustworthy. 
And so we can trust in him, and our trust in him allows us to step forward in faith rather than in fear. So that faith is what breaks the hold of sin, and it develops us into disciples. Now, uh, many of you would know that, um, that Denise and I are fostering a little baby boy. He's incredible. He just turned one this last week, and uh, so we had a party for him yesterday. It was so much fun. And, uh, but this little guy is absolutely fearless, and we could take a lesson from this. Uh, you know, he will, um, the 4th of July, we were hanging out, and uh, so this guy brought, uh, he had this giant um, Rottweiler, and he is walking by, and Isaiah spots him, and his eyes get huge, and he's so excited, and this guy brings the dog over, and Isaiah goes right up to him, Denise and I are like, uh, <laughs> we're not okay with this, like, we're all nervous, this dog was massive, this, this Rottweiler, and the, the owner's like, no, he's totally calm, he's okay, Isaiah, no fear, right up to the dog, he gets, he, one leg over, he's sitting on him, just like, no fear at all, we have to watch him, because he'll go, he'll go upstairs, even though he doesn't know how to get down, he'll, he'll go off the bed, he just like, right over, like, no fear, like, he's, he, because he trusts that we're going to keep him safe, he, there's no fear in him. He just goes for it. And I think that there's something about, in fact, the Bible talks about having a childlike faith, that we would actually believe that God will do the things that he, do, will, that he promises he'll do, and that we will just go for it. We'll just take those steps, knowing that we can trust in him, and he is going to be there for us. Now, um, the... Uh, we're going we're gonna to dig into the word together. And I want to invite you, go ahead and, and turn to Judges chapter 6. If you brought your Bible, I, I hope that you do uh, have a Bible or, or a way to access scriptures. Uh, turn to Judges chapter 6. Now, I, I want to give you a little disclaimer. Um, we're going to read a pretty sizable chunk of scripture together today, okay? So uh, I'll invite you to follow along with me. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible it's a, the story of Gideon, and, uh, and it's funny, as I was preparing, uh, and then Dan actually mentioned Gideon uh, among uh, the different people in the Bible who were people of faith, and Hebrews 11 is, it's kind of known as like the, the hall of faith, the, it's like the hall of fame, but for Bible characters who had faith, it lists all these great men who had faith in the Bible, and Gideon is listed in Hebrews 11 as one of those men who, who had faith. But Gideon's story, uh, I identify with Gideon because he didn't start as this great man of faith. He started very simple. And he started with even some fears that held him back. Let me, let me give you some background before we dive into this. So we find Israel at this time is, is sinning. And we know the story of Israel, they had ups and they had downs. They had times where they were worshiping God, and then they would blow it, they'd worship idols, they'd fall into sin, and God would raise up armies to conquer them, and, and then he would raise up a leader and free them, and over and over, they would cry out to God, and then they would sin, and then they'd cry out to God, and then they'd sin. And so we find them in this season, this cycle of their, their sinning, and they have fallen to this army called the Midianites. Now the Midians were a vicious people 
and they were actually going through, they were doing terrible things to the women, they were going through and ruining the crops, and so at this time, where we pick up the story, the Israelites are actually hiding, some of them are hiding in caves, because they're fearing for their lives, and so Gideon now, we, we, we come across Gideon in chapter uh, 6, verse 11, and we find him in a wine press, and he's hiding in this wine press, threshing his wheat. Now, the thresh wheat means you have to separate the grain kernel from the chaff and the other, the other stuff that's not usable. And so you air it out, and you, you throw it up in the air, and you, get, you let the wind take the chaff, and you're left with the, grains of, the, the kernels of grain. And so uh, Gideon, who is this simple farmer, is trying to continue farming and provide for his family. And so he's a pretty resourceful guy. He's not out hiding in a cave. He is, he's, he's farming. He's doing his thing. But he's doing it in a wine press. So there's kind of two sides to that. One is he's hiding. He's not necessarily like the, uh, the, the fearless leader to spark a national revolution, that he's not that guy, but he is resourceful, and he, I can appreciate that he's still caring for his family in the middle of what is a difficult situation. So now I want to read for, for you um, and let the Bible kind of describe the story to us, okay? So we're going to pick this up in chapter 11, and, um, and I'm going to read through 16, so you can follow along with me, Okay. So it says in verse 11, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, we've established that. Verse 12, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, hold on right there. Mighty warrior. Guy hiding in a winepress and mighty warrior. They don't necessarily go together, right? Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord returned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. But the Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down the Midians, leaving none alive crazy story right there's a crazy like interaction here this dialogue that Gideon is having with the angel of the Lord I love to hear that Gideon is literally being called by God to free Israel to free Israel again and the angel of the Lord's promise to Gideon if you go back and you read through that again he says everything that he says every response to Gideon is I will be with you, the Lord will be with you, I will make you a mighty warrior, you will have strength, God is sending you, and then he reiterates, I'll be with you, again, that's the only thing that Gideon gets, I'll be with you, don't worry, you're going to do this, 
God is for you. You've got this. And Gideon's response is not the faith-filled exuberance of the man of faith that we want him to be. He questions God. His response is not, oh, okay, God's making me a mighty warrior to go step forward and do these amazing things. Awesome. His response is to question God. And I don't know about you, but that's where I find myself so often. When God challenges me to do something, I start to find excuses and reasons that that won't work. And Gideon's response demonstrates the first point uh, of this fear versus faith struggle that we have. So number one this morning is fear looks back, faith looks forward. Fear looks back and faith looks forward. Now, Gideon's response is, why has this happened and where were you? So Gideon had heard all these stories about God freeing the Israelites out of Egypt. He had heard all of these things about the amazing things God had done for Israel. But his experience was bondage. His experience was the Israelites, his people, having to hide in caves. Where was God in that? Where was God when he had to work in a little wine press that didn't work, there was no airflow, so he couldn't even do what he needed to do because he had to do it in a wine press? Have you ever asked that? Even knowing what God has done in the past, even knowing what the miracles that he's done in Scripture, have you ever asked the question, but where are you, God, in my situation? Where are you, God, today? Why, why have these things happened? Where were you? So instead of looking forward, Gideon looks at the past. He looks backwards. Where was God? Where were you? Why did these things happen? So he first, he first looks at the past circumstances, right? He's basically saying, after all that we've been through, can I trust you, God? Now, that's kind of a, a silly question because he's saying, after all that we've been through, but he's, his perspective is still on the present, right? Because all that they've been through was God bringing them out of slavery and bondage and freeing them. And it was the Israelites that kept sinning and kept turning away from God. But Gideon, in his here and now perspective, says, after all that we've been through, can I trust you, God? Have you ever said that in your situation? Where were you in that cancer? Where were you when I lost my job? Where were you when that relationship fractured? Where were you, God? Where were you? And we can look to the past circumstances rather than trusting God with our future assignment. Did you know you have a future assignment? Did you know that just like Gideon being called to do great things, you have been called? Listen to me. Listen. I know that sounds cliche. Listen. You have been called by God to your situation. You have been called by God to Simi Valley. You've been called by God to inner city LA working with the Dream Center. You've been called by God to make an investment in Haiti. You've been called by God to make an investment in your workplace or in your school. God has a calling and an assignment for you. But you will never get to realize that 
if you look back to past circumstances, if you look back to say, God, where were you when? Where were you in this? Why did this happen? Instead of looking back, we look forward to what God is saying. Because what he said to Gideon and what he's saying with you is I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm with you, mighty warrior. I am with you. So he looks back at his circumstances, but then he also looks back at his qualifications, right? He looks back at those. He says, look, this is not going to work. I know that you think that I'm a mighty warrior, but let me tell you who I really am. I am from the weakest tribe in all of Israel. And not only that, am I in the weakest tribe, I am the least in my family. Nobody is going to care anything that I say. Nobody's going to follow me. You've got the wrong guy. And instead of looking at how God qualifies him, he looks at his past qualifications. But let me tell you this. Those who God calls, God qualifies. It's nothing that you can do on your own. It's not that we're a mighty warrior because of the talents, the skills, the education, whatever it might be. That doesn't matter. God takes the weakest person and he says, listen, I'm going to be with you. It's going to be my strength that moves you forward. You're not a mighty warrior because of your strength. It's, you're a mighty warrior because I've called you a mighty warrior and I'm qualifying you. So don't discount yourself because of the past. Look forward to who God says you are and the places that he wants to take us. Again, fear looks back. Faith looks forward. Forward to God's blessing. Forward to God using him. This leads to the second, this second kind of fear versus faith struggle that we have. And that is that fear focuses on me. Faith focuses on Jesus. Where your focus is, May, it, it determines where, where you can go and whether you're stagnant and paralyzed or whether you're moving forward in bold faith. Denise and I, um, we are, we're learning this kind of faith right now. We're, uh, as I mentioned, Isaiah, the, the whole fostering process is a process of faith. And you go into it knowing that you're going to experience trauma. One way or the other, you're either going to experience the trauma of seeing a, a biological family lose their children, that's devastating, or you're going to experience the trauma of having to give back the children to their biological family and experience that personal grief. So either way, you know that you're signing up for that. This last week, and, and, and we, go into that, we go into that knowing that God is going to guide us and lead us and he's going to be our comfort and for us that has been a huge step of faith to be able to say lord we know that you've got this that you're in control of this entire situation and we give it to you this last week there was a court uh, a court date and uh, the biological family uh, it looks like is losing their uh she's losing her children and what could be seen as a victory for Denise and I that, that we may have the opportunity, we don't know yet, but we may have the opportunity to adopt, it didn't feel like a victory. Denise and I got in the car and we cried together for this mother who has just lost her children. But you know what? 
that's a step of faith for us. It's a step of faith knowing that regardless of what happens, God has called us to this ministry for whatever point of time that might be that we have to invest in these lives, God has called us to be the answer in that situation. And that's a step of faith for us. That's a step of faith where you, we could fear that the grief is going to be too difficult. The focus could be on us and what will be hard for us. But we've chosen that we're going to believe that Jesus is in control and he's going to guide us through that. The focus has to be on him, not on our situation, not on me. And Gideon had to experience that same realization as he encountered the Lord and what the Lord was asking him to do in this, in this crazy situation of, hey, you're the guy now to lead Israel against this huge, powerful army. And I love how in the story continues here in verse 17. Gideon replies, If now I have found favor in your eyes, he says, give me a sign. So Gideon is saying, look, if this is actually true, I've got to have some sort of sign here. I've got to know that I can trust Jesus in this. I've got to know that God's got my back here. But the crazy thing is that he asked God for a sign for him. So the focus is on him. It's not on his faith. It's not on what God will do. It's what do I need? Uh, you've got to come to my level and you've got to prove to me that you're trustworthy so that I'll respond to what you're calling me to do. I don't know. That's, that's pretty sketchy, right? Have you ever tried to get God to come on your terms and engage on your terms? It doesn't always work that way, right? God is so gracious, though. Here for Gideon, he is incredibly gracious. He does not owe Gideon a sign. He does not owe Gideon anything. Gideon owes him to follow him and to obey. But God, God, God comes through and he gives him this sign. And so Gideon prepares this offering and the, the angel of the Lord tells him to put this meat and the bread on a rock and to pour the broth over this rock. And then the angel of the Lord takes this staff, and he touches the rock, and fire comes out of a wet rock and burns up the offering to the Lord. And then that would have been significant in that culture because they, they burned their offerings as incense to the Lord. So their offering was incense to the Lord. And it's the angel of the Lord that comes and he causes fire to come out of a rock. And Gideon says, wow, okay, there's something to this now, right? He gives Gideon this sign. And then the angel of the Lord, I love this, I love this he ups the ante a little bit. So now Gideon has been called by God. We, we talked about that. Now he's being consecrated by God. He's going through this process of, will you obey? Will you take steps to get right with me and, and do what I say? Now, we as a church, we just came through a season of consecration. We fasted, we prayed, we sought the Lord together. And so I hope that we have been uh, and are continuing to be in the middle of that process like Gideon was. 
And so he tells Gideon to prepare another offering, but this time he tells him, I don't want, I'm not going to cause the fire for you. I want you to go in and I want you to tear down all of the idols that Israel's been worshiping, the Asherah poles. And they used to worship these, they put up these poles and these pillars and they would worship them. And, and so he says, I want you to go and desecrate these items of worship. Now that was huge. That was a huge thing because that, the people wanted to kill Gideon for doing that. And Gideon knew that his life would be at risk if he did that. And then the angel of the Lord says, I want you to burn those and I want you to offer your, your, um, your offering to the Lord by burning them over the idols. God is saying, I'm going to consecrate you. I'm going to get rid of all of the idols, all of the things that have held you back from truly engaging me. I'm going to get rid of those in your life so that they can be an offering to the Lord. And so Gideon does this. He risks it all and he goes and he burns this, this offering to the Lord. So then in verse 34, it says, Then, after, after obedience, after consecration, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, summoning the Aborazites to follow him. Did you catch that? It was only after he had obeyed God and seen God come through by a step a bold step of obedience that the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, that the Spirit of the Lord actually empowered Gideon to fulfill the calling that God had given him. We need the power of the Lord. We need the power of the Spirit. But it comes as we obey. And that obeying takes some pretty dicey steps sometimes, right? It takes us to do some pretty bold things for God. Now, Gideon is still not quite there. Although he is obeying God, he's still not leading out of faith. He's still leading out of fear. And we know that because he needs more signs. He asks God for more signs. So he blows the trumpet. He gathers the Israelite troops. So you see this shift that's taking place in him. But when the, the Midianite army gathers its forces and threatens, what does he do? He runs back to God and says, okay, God, I need another sign. I need to know that this is really, really you this time. And so we get the story of him putting out these fleeces. And so the, he, uh, the one time he asked God for a, flea, uh, a test, test to God, and he puts out this fleece, and he says, okay, if, if you're really in this, Lord, if you're really leading us to battle, I want you to keep the fleece dry, but all the ground around it be wet in the morning. And he wakes up in the morning, and that very thing has happened. And he says, okay, all right, that could have happened, maybe could have happened naturally, so let's reverse it. God, this time, this time, just for fun, opposite, the fleece all wet and the ground all dry. And the next morning, sure enough, there it is. And so Gideon, he knows, okay, oh man. I think probably Gideon was hoping that wouldn't happen. And he would have an out like, okay, God's not leading us into, into battle then. We're okay. But no, God actually, uh, in his gracious, gracious uh, dealing with Gideon, he gives him these signs. And he says, Gideon, the calling is not changed. 
You're my mighty warrior. You've got to move forward in faith here. And I think we, we kind of, we do that too. We, in, in our hoping that we'll have a way out, we sometimes put God through the litmus test. We make him jump through our hoops. And if something doesn't line up, it's our out to not have to respond and move in boldness. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put God to the test? Have you ever done, we do things like, we'll say, okay, God, I'm going to open my Bible and wherever it falls, I'm going to read that verse and, and, and God, you better have a message to me. That's your message to me. Really? Can't God just speak to us and we move in boldness? We do, th- we do funny things like that. We, we tell God, like, we, you know, we, if, if, if you want me to move, if you want me to really do that, then, then would, I need you to send somebody to tell me that, to respond to me. It's like, well, no, God's already told you to do it. So just go for it. Like, why, why does somebody else have to come and tell you to do what God's already told you to do? But we put God through all kinds of tests. If, if you'll do this, Lord, then I'll respond. If you'll do that, then, then I'll respond. So we've got to put the focus back on Jesus, not on me. We've got to let him be the Savior and not me. The third, it, the third thing here is that fear causes doubt, but faith causes belief. Now that's, it might sound, that might sound pretty uh, common, right? I mean, that's pretty... That's pretty self-explanatory. But what we see here is now that Gideon, now Gideon has been, he's been called. He has been, um, he's been consecrated. He's actually been commissioned to go. And now he faces a conflict. Will I actually do it? Uh, God has proved himself faithful to the, these tests. I know what I'm supposed to do. And the conflict now is will I do it? And it's really a conflict of his, um, it's, it's a crisis of his own ability. Let's read with, uh, again here, now we're in chapter 7. I want to read this little passage here where he has this, continues to have this dialogue with the Lord, starting in verse 2. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. So he blew the trumpet, he gathered all the men, and now the Lord says, hold on, hold on, you've got too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So listen, 22,000 men left. Well, 10,000 remained. So he's got 32,000 men when he blows the trumpet. 22,000 of them say, sayonara, there's no way we're going to win this one. I'm out of here. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will be, uh, and I will thin them out for you there. Oh, thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those uh, who lap the water with their tongues as dogs lap from those who kneel down to drink. It's kind of a crazy way to separate the guys, right? The Lord, the Lord does this, and 300 of them drank and cupped uh, their hands, lapping like dogs. The rest got down on their knees and drank. 
And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midians into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of them, the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now, this is interesting because God chooses the least, right? The worst qualifications from the worst circumstances in the past. And now he doesn't give them anything to work with except 300 guys who lap water like dogs. That's not really awe-inspiring, right? That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, and I love though that even though God is the one who separates the men and gives the 300, it's Gideon who has to send the other ones home. It's Gideon who has to say, has to take that bold step and say, okay, you guys go. We're good, We're good here with 300. He still has to take that step of faith. You know, Denise and I are, I told you, we're learning faith right now. And uh, as we... As we go through this journey of uh, fostering and, and, um, and of really kind of God's heart and dreams for our family, we, uh, we came to the uh, decision that the Lord really was calling Denise to stay home and, and invest in that and for us to go from two incomes to one. Now, finances are a place where our faith gets tested, Right? How many of you know it's, it's not the easiest thing in California to live on a one finance, on one income? And so we're walking through that right now, and God is, he's so faithful. He is guiding us, and we, we have more than enough. But it took a step of saying, okay, we're going to have to tighten our belt here. We're going to have to make some sacrifices here, but we know God's calling us to do this. And so we're going to go for it. We're going to do it. And... Uh, We'll see how that turns out. (laughs) I know that God is going to provide every single need that we have. You know, fear will cause doubt. It causes us to dread the what-ifs. But faith causes us to believe. It causes us to see the what-ifs as dreaming of what God, what if God could do that? What is God going to do through that? It's what if, it's not what if, what if God wipes us out because we only have 300 people? It's what if God can release a whole nation through 300 men? What an incredible testimony that is going to be to his power and his love and his grace in our lives. Faith dreams for what God is going to do in the future. Fear doubts with dread of what could possibly happen. But it's us fixing our eyes on him, trusting in him, and taking those steps. The last, uh, the last point here that I want to, to talk about through Gideon's story is that fear stagnates, but faith propels. There's something that, you know, stagnation kind of perpetuates stagnation. It kind of continues that. When you get stuck, it's really hard to get unstuck. But when you start to have movement, there's momentum that happens that carries us forward. And so while fear stagnates, faith continues that process of propelling us forward. Now in Gideon's story, now is where we get to see him conquer. 
He's called, he's consecrated, he's commissioned, there's conflict, but guess what? He gets to conquer. He gets to see God work through them. Let's pick up the story again in verse 10 of chapter 7 there. It says, If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Perda, and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. I love this. Of course Gideon is afraid. He just got all of his men weeded out, and he's got 300. But God says, it's okay. I've got you still. Go down to the camp. And so they go down. He goes down with his servant. He overhears this dream that one of the Midian soldiers has. He has this crazy dream that a barley loaf, a loaf of barley bread, rolls down the hill, crashes into one of the tents, and demolishes the tent. That's kind of out there, right? There was some significance to that, though. The, the, in their culture, barley was like the, the least sought-after grain. And so it was, it was like it, a barley loaf would have been what the real lowly commoners would have eaten. It was not desirable at all. And this, the interpretation that the soldiers have is, and this is totally the Lord that gave them this interpretation, they say, well, this, must be, this must mean that God is going to use Gideon to overthrow the Midians. Now, a loaf of barley, the least sought after, and Gideon, the least of the tribe of Israel, the least in his clan, the lowliest person, the simple farmer, and God's going to use him to overthrow. And so God, God plants this seed of fear in the Midian army. It's God that's doing this. It's Gideon that has to respond and step forward in obedience, but God is already at work planting this fear in the soldiers. And so now we get to, we, we get to see God break through. And so Gideon's response when he goes back to the men, listen now in verse 15. He says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midian camp into your hand. Dividing 300 men into three different companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in their hands of all of them with torches inside. And he said this, he said, Watch me! Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Now, this is a crazy plan. They're going up against this massive, vicious army. And Gideon's tactic is they're going to take jars and trumpets and torches. And they're going to surround the camp and they're going to blow them, and they're going to crash their, their jars. That's the tactic. That's it. That's the game plan. And so they go and do this. But listen to the authority that he, he tells the men to do this. Now think back of that simple farmer that's hiding in a wine press to these, these statements. What a profound change that has taken place in this guy's life that he can say, get up. The Lord has given the Midian, I, the Midian army to us. Watch me. Follow my lead. 
This is a guy who has gone from fear to a guy who says, I have faith because I know that God has commissioned me to go. I know that he's given this, this army to us. I have seen him work. I have seen him refine me. I'm stepping forth in obedience to him. He's going to do this. And he has confidence and boldness to step forward in faith that propels them forward. Now, let's be honest about this. We don't always function that way. And even though God has probably come through in your life in different seasons and in different ways, it's so easy to lose sight of those things. We don't have, there's probably no super, quote-unquote, super Christians in this room that you get it right every time. I don't know if I were in Gideon's shoes, if I would be standing against, uh, up, up to my 300 men and saying, we've got this, guys, no question about it. Follow me, we're going into battle. I don't know if I would be there. But Gideon had followed God and God had been faithful to him to reassure him, you're my mighty warrior. You've got this. You're my mighty warrior. I'll be with you. You can do this when the odds are stacked against you, when there's no way that this is going to work. It's okay because I'm with you. It's not your power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm with you. You're my mighty warrior. Today, Jesus' grace for you is that in your insufficiency, in your lack of faith, even in your fears that might hold you back, God's grace says, you're my mighty warrior. Move forward in confidence. Those things, those dreams that I put in your heart years ago, those dreams that I have for your future, step forth. Step into those. Now is the time to step forward. And even as a church, I I just have this sense that the Holy Spirit is depositing something in our congregation of saying, okay, I've led you to this point. I've provided for you. I've given our church everything that we need for the Holy Spirit to just break loose in our lives and bring freedom to people who are caught in addiction, in sin, in bondage. There's an army out there that God wants us to conquer with his love and with his grace and his freedom. And he's saying, now is the time that church rise up and take some bold steps. Risk something because God is calling you his mighty warrior and he wants to do something profound through this church, through you, through your life in his kingdom. I wonder what victories God has for us. I wonder what victories are just waiting for us to step into. I just imagine that. I just just imagine that through the power of His Spirit, we could see people's lives being changed. And in the process, we get to be changed too, like Gideon. You know, I was encouraged this morning. I was talking to Steve uh, just before service. He was telling me about the team that went down to the Dream Center yesterday. They had 12 people that went down. And again, they went into Skid Row. And they are having profound impact in people's lives. Now, that is a bold step of faith. (laughs) To go into a dangerous situation, into the unknown, and to represent Christ. That's pretty awesome. I wonder what God is calling you to do 
to take a bold step of faith. I know next week, uh, on Friday, we'll be taking some bold steps to go to Haiti. And there's a lot of spiritual darkness there. There's danger. It's difficult situations and conditions. But we're going to go for it. We're going to boldly walk by faith and say, God, you're going to do great things because your spirit is going before us and making us the mighty warriors you've called us to be. Let me end by this. You know, I, I want to give you some, a little bit of application to chew on as we, as we head out of here today. You might say, I want to have that kind of faith. I want to have faith that moves me forward in who God says that I am. I want to move beyond the fears that can hold me back and stagnate my life. But how do I have that faith? How do I develop that kind of faith? And I want to give you three really quick things that you can start doing to start developing that faith. Number one is worship. How can I grow my faith? Number one, it starts with worship. It said, we, we read that when, uh, when Gideon encountered that dream of God giving the army into their hands, what did he do? He got on his knees and he worshiped. Worship develops faith. It gives up the power to God. It surrenders the focus from me back onto God and says, God, what do you want to do? This is all about you. This is not about me. So I want to I encourage you, ask this question. What do I need to surrender to God? What do I need to surrender to God in worship? A second thing of how I can grow my faith is with courage. Courage. Be willing to risk. Take a risk today. Even if it's something small, even if it's saying hello to your neighbor, which is not that big a thing, but that might be the biggest risk that you take today. Start with something. Take a risk. Do something bold. And I want to invite you to ask yourself this. What bold step do I need to take? What bold step do I need to take? And the last thing here, of how I can grow my faith is obedience. Even if it doesn't make sense, when God speaks, obey. Start small, obey God. Obey. Because he, he gives us these little things that we are faithful in, and then He gives us more responsibility to be faithful in, and He guides us in this step, in this process of obedience to where we find ourselves doing great and audacious things for God. Just obeying Him. It's not us, it's Him. He's doing it, but it takes us obeying. So I want to invite you to ask yourself this. What is God telling me to do? What is God telling me to do? So three questions. Those three questions that I want you to ask yourself. But here's the thing. I don't want you to just contemplate that. I want you to tell someone I want you to tell somebody today. Maybe you came with somebody or maybe you've got an accountability partner or somebody who you could talk to. I want to invite you, tell somebody today how you would answer the question, what do I need to surrender to God? What is the bold step that I need to take? And what is Jesus telling me to do? If we would keep asking ourselves those questions, I think God would begin to develop faith in us that propels us forward rather than getting stuck in our fears, 
in our failures, in our pride, in the things that undercut us from truly having faith in God. Listen, like Gideon, just like him, we have been called, we have been consecrated, we have been commissioned by God. It is not without conflict. There are crisis moments in the middle of it, but we can also conquer because we are God's mighty warrior. Declare that in faith. Believe that. God wants to use you to do that. Let's pray as we close. Lord, I thank you that, uh, Lord, I, I, I identify with Gideon, and I thank you that you use the simple, that you use the least of these. You use the things that we say, God could never redeem that situation. God could never use that situation. And you use that. Lord, that is exactly what you choose to empower with your Holy Spirit to do amazing things outstanding things and so lord god wherever we find ourselves today sitting right here right now lord we pray that you'd use us we ask that you would use us for your glory and for your kingdom lord our desire is to follow after you to be a disciple who follows you with all of our lives as dan talked about to be to be all in for you Lord, I pray that nothing that we fear, nothing, even those deep-seated fears that have held us back for a long time, that, Lord God, you would break those by your power. You would break those by your spirit. And you would raise us up to be people who risk for your name, who encounter a world that could seem scary because you have told us to to go to people who are not like us, who are intimidating, who we don't know how to engage, Lord, because you say you will go before us, that, Lord, you will give us the words to, to say. And, Lord, whatever those situations are that you're calling your mighty warriors to battle, Lord, I pray that you would tell us and help us, lead us to take those steps of obedience and bold faith in you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I commission on your behalf, I commission this congregation to go and do amazing things for your glory. Raise us up, Lord, in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.